Welcome to the TechEd Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. Live streaming on YouTube all day today from Rockwall Automation Fair. We're here in Chicago, Illinois, McCormick Place. It's been a fascinating day. We have talked to more interesting people than perhaps any other last two hours that we've had here on the Tech Ed Podcast. The next two, three, four hours are going to be exactly the same. Meeting the people that are driving the future of Industry 4.0, driving the future of advanced manufacturing. And that is exactly what we are talking about here over the course of the next 30 minutes as companies come from all over the world here to Rockwell Automation Fair to discover how to optimize operations and achieve results. It's just an amazing two days, and we're so happy that you could join us as we meet all these fantastic people. We're about to meet two more. And by the way, these are people with really, really cool business titles. Uh, the first one is Mark Rushy, and Mark is the business development manager for, get this, Smart Cities. How cool is that when we talk to young people about the future opportunities in advanced manufacturing, the future opportunities in technology? How would you like to have that for a title? Or how about this one, the head of private cellular networks? That person comes to us in the form of James Rose. And we are talking with James and Mark both this morning on the Tech Ed Podcast. I'm going to start out with a question for James, again, the head of private cellular networks for U.S. Cellular, by the way. And that question is this, James. You know, our, our customer base, our listeners here on the Tech Ed Podcast, obviously they know what cellular technology is. They live and breathe it. They, they understand U.S. Cellular from that standpoint. But some of them are going to learn a new term this, afternoon, or this morning, rather, and that is this whole idea of private cellular networks. Before we get into that and dig into it in depth, Let's talk about the use case in the application when we talk about a high-level overview of the digitization of manufacturing. So, so U.S. Cellular, not just a company that people rely on to use their smartphone to communicate with each other, but also driving advanced manufacturing and digitization as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, great question. And uh, I have to say first, thank you for labeling us both fantastic and interesting all at the same time. Absolutely. Now you got to live up to I'm it. I'm humbled, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you know, first, I'll, I'll take your question with the first part, which is really like, why is U.S. Cellular doing this? And the way I think about it is this. So, you, as you mentioned, U.S. Cellular is very much a consumer-driven organization sure. historically. We've been a wireless carrier for 40 years. What's happened recently, and, and I've been here for, you know, just under 10 years, but recently the thing that's been really interesting is we brought in a uh, new CEO. Um, his name is Laurent Thrival. Uh, we call him LT because it's not an easy name to, uh, go, to pronounce. But uh, LT came over from AT&T. Okay. He had a long history of enterprise experience there. And then we also brought in a new senior vice president by the name of uh, Kim Green Kerr. Both okay. of them have been here between two and three years now. Great. The ambition was, let's build an enterprise and IoT space, and uh, let's do it from the ground up. Okay. And what does that mean? And this goes to your use yeah, case question. Yeah, So the industry has a tendency of laying out the, the, the kind of foundation of technology for cellular and then saying, hey, world, this is the way you should be interpreting the technology. Right. What we're doing is a little different. So what we're doing is we're actually understanding the applications and the use cases that drive the technology from the customer. Okay. And then we deliver the technology to meet those market needs. Interesting. So what does that actually mean from a philosophical perspective? It means that the organizations that we work with 
essentially what they're doing is they're using our technology to cater to their existing strategy okay. versus us saying, here's the way the technology is going to work. Now you need to go make your strategy aligned with that technology. Got it. What a novel idea. Yes. Actually going to the customers, going to the market, and asking them how you can add value for them and what they're doing, and then coming up with a solution as opposed to, you know, as probably too many companies do, put a bunch of engineers in, a, in behind a wall and let them just figure something out and then hope to God two years later they've come up with something that somebody would actually want. So a really unique, maybe it shouldn't be, but we know that it is a really unique uh, approach to understanding a market, approach to understanding product development and then executing on a solution that actually adds value for customers and that you know when you bring it to market it has value because they were part of really developing that use case and understanding it. That's exactly right. Awesome. So. So now let's let's think about this term that, that we mentioned in the introduction, that being private cellular networks. I'll be honest with you, I know almost barely enough to be dangerous in that world. So like I said, everybody understands the cellular technology from a consumer standpoint. But what is a private cellular network and, and how does it impact a manufacturing operation? So your point of view is uh, probably not just felt from somebody sitting outside the industry. I would say most of the industry feels the same way. Okay, so I shouldn't uh, feel bad? No, you shouldn't okay, feel bad at all. Got it. Um, you know, if you Google private cellular or private 5G, you'll see all kinds of interesting organizations jumping in there. And fundamentally, they, they could offer some pretty diverse solutions from one another. Okay. At the core of what private cellular means, though, think about what an actual cellular operation consists of. So you have radios. Right. That's what we're all used to seeing, the towers. Sure. Um, you have a core network, which is the data servers. And then you have spectrum. And so private cellular can be defined in many different ways. And so um, okay. I'll be really brief with this. Yeah, because no, go be ahead. Long, yeah, I'm sure it can get wonky, but, but this is fascinating. That actually is what, so if you remember my last comment about how we tailor the technology to meet the customer strategy versus reverse. Right. We, we are able to do that because we built a flexible range of solutions. Okay. So private cellular, you could see one organization say, well, private cellular means you're using a unlicensed spectrum like CBRS. Okay or you're using a enterprise level core and radio equipment, so you're actually owning and operating like a small network operation. It could be that, hey, we just want, we don't, we're not in the actual management of a core business. Right. Uh, we do need the data on premise because of latency needs or because sure. we you know, want IT control of that data, but we don't want to actually own and operate a core. We don't want to have to install radio networks and right. figure out capacity and optimi like, optimization is a painstaking process. So another type of solution would be you use the public carrier like us, um, you use our radios, use our, our core, okay. but ultimately we just get you access to that data server. I see. So it's basically um, localized data. It's ultimately, the ne it's a necessary part of offering any sort of edge compute solution using cellular. Got it. So I'm hearing um, you know, a couple different things as you go through that explanation, James. Is it a leasing model then for a, an organization Can that be. is partnering you with it or, or yeah. that's one way of doing so it? We, so, you know, we're, we're exploring quite a bit. You know, we're here at this event because, you know, we believe, again, in hearing the voices from the organizations right. that are thinking about it, especially in the manufacturing space, you know, we work closely with Rockwell, and we're talking to the UWI um, CSI team because we want to know what the market's asking for. So that's one way to do it. Um, but we also work with really large-scale deployments as well. Okay. Totally different financial model. And so to right. answer your question, yeah. you know, we have organizations like in the utility space, they care all about spending capital. Okay. So it's not just thinking about what's my O&M. Their philosophy is I'll spend eight times the amount of capital dollars to drive down the O&M cost. Interesting. And so when we're working with those guys, philosophically, totally different economic plan. 
With manufacturing, I anticipate it would be somewhat in reverse. Got it. They'll want low capital spend, and they're willing to take on more O&M spend as long as the value proposition and the use cases make sense. Sure. Well, you came to the right place to learn and, exactly. and to partner, I'm sure, as you've walked around, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that you've seen as we get a little deeper into the conversation. But for our, our, our listeners who are still understanding and wrapping their brains around private cellular networks and U.S. cellular's position in that space, you know, what are our, our, our listeners certainly familiar with Industry 4.0 technologies, so smart sensors, smart devices, how they interact with control systems, how network and cybersecurity plays into that, how data analytics can be layered on top of all of it. But tell us about the, the use cases from an Industry 4.0 standpoint. So I'm, I'm looking at taking my manufacturing operation into the world of smart sensors and smart devices, gathering more data and being more thoughtful and predictive about how I'm running my plant. How does your technology fit into that? Great question. And I guess the way I would answer that, I'll start really high and I'll get more narrow as I go with this answer. So. First, I'd say that we look at private cellular not as a replacement or competitor to Wi-Fi. We actually see it as an augmentation. Okay. And that could mean multiple things. So the first thing I'll say is there are certain areas that Wi-Fi is not going to reach. So if you're a warehouse or a distribution center, you have outdoor operations, there might be autonomous applications or use cases um, that exist outside that you need uh, coverage for. Okay. Wi-Fi is not going to reach there, but cellular can. Yep. So that would be one easy one. Uh, another one is the concept of IT versus OT. Yep. So Wi-Fi can only handle so much. And so because the technology is matured enough to where deploying like massive IoT use cases, for so think sensors on as many things that you're looking to collect right. data as you can, the cost to do that has has gone down substantially. Of course it has, yeah, at the edge level. Yep. Exactly. And so um, so the thing is, is how do you handle all of this new data bandwidth? Yep. And and more importantly, how do you how do you manage it in a way to where it doesn't disrupt all of your IT infrastructure? So I see cellular as being a potential way of doing that. You segregate certain new use cases to keep the, the bandwidth down. The way I call it is actually operationally critical use cases. Okay. So you don't want somebody who could be on break uh, on a lunch break on their Wi-Fi system FaceTime their family at home, right. while also you have autonomous things operating with safety yep. risks at hand. So you'll want to take those operationally critical use cases and try to keep those away from the public internet that your your company would probably already be using. Got it. So just to make sure I'm wrapping my brain around this the right way and understanding a couple different things there. You know, number one, when we think about deploying more and more smart sensors and smart devices, and you and I agree, I mean, they are coming down in cost by orders of magnitude over the course of the last you know, 10 years, where 10 years ago, you know, a solution at the edge that might have cost you $10,000 to deploy might be $100 now, just because of the huge advancements, what we call the exponential economy. Moore's Law is still alive and well in the world of manufacturing and, a, and across the world of processing data. And so now I'm doing that, and I've got all of these different edge devices and edge sensors that are taking up bandwidth in my manufacturing operation. Yep. And if, if I'm understanding correctly, there's certain limitations to Wi-Fi when it comes to the amount of bandwidth required by um, by these edge devices, yep. and cellular can be a great way to augment that yeah, and so offset the, that. that. That was two, the, the two of the kind of philosophies that I have. The third one, and this is actually the most interesting to me, is the idea of innovation. Okay. So 5G, for instance, it's a very young technology. We, right. It's not been around very long. And you know, mid-band is just now being deployed. You have low-band, mid-band, high-band. Okay. The higher up the band, the more interesting the use cases become. Okay. And so um, where I'm going with this, though, is there's an opportunity. Think about before 4G came around. What was cellular like when 
you didn't have a 4G phone. Right. Uh, you, maybe you got a 30-second clip from a football game, but right. that was about all your video needs that you got yep. out of it. But think about Netflix and yeah. Uber. Like, I would have never thought that I would ask a stranger to go pick my food up and bring it to my house. Right, exactly. Um, and that really became enabled by 4G. Got it. So now think that in terms of exponential growth, 5G is going to open up even more doors. Wow. And so what I want to you know, say to your community here is you don't just have the value propositions from the use cases that you know right in front of your face. You're also opening doors of innovation and your organization can evolve in, in pretty unique ways using very, very low latency, high bandwidth applications. Very, very cool. So as I was sitting on Saturday afternoon, we had some visitors in from out of town trying to catch bits and pieces of the Wisconsin Badger game while I was sitting in a in a restaurant enjoying lunch and, and, and just kind of set my phone off to the side and had Hulu streaming and all because of the speed at which we can process data now and all the innovation that came with that speed. So right, so without that without that ability, there is no Netflix, there is no Hulu, there aren't all these huge deployment of edge devices. This just enables that next level of innovation. You're exactly right. I love it. That so is... think about Netflix's transition from being a mail-at-home DVD yep, service right? to being a digital hub, and now they're one of the leading movie and television producers in the world. So we're going to see use cases and applications for this that nobody's even dreamed of, and we'll be blown away by this next generation in the same way as we, exactly we right. were by the last one. So yes. speaking of thinking of the future, speaking of innovation, and I'm going to pull Mark Rushing into the discussion here. And by the way, you guys both have really cool titles. i got to tell you, Business Development Manager, Smart Cities, that's the cooler title. So, <laughs> um, And I'm not going to opine on who's smarter, but he's got the, he's got the better title as we're sitting here chatting. Uh, although you both have really, really cool roles. So in your role as business development manager, Smart Cities, Mark, I know you've been involved in some discussions with the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee Connected Systems Institute, huge partnership for Rockwell Automation, and they've been partnered with that organization for four or five years. Full disclosure, I actually have the pleasure of serving on the board of that organization. And so huge respect for the CSI, but I know you're, you're having some discussions about how you might be able to partner and support the work going on at the Connected Systems Institute. Mark, yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, so this came to us, I'd say, probably about four or five months ago. You know, myself, James, uh, a few others on our team took a visit up there. I think it was like sometime in the spring. And, you know, we, we saw the vision, right? We saw exactly what was, what, what Rockwell is trying to accomplish there, what the students trying to accomplish there. And we are in the infancy of our program as well, right? Okay. We wanted to develop a strategy where we can incubate these use cases, right? And build them out from, I guess, from like an academic standpoint, like a grassroots approach. Sure. So we are getting very close to finalizing our agreement with CSI, and we'll be turning up a, uh, a living, active 5G environment um, at the lab. Fantastic. Yeah. That's going to be really, really cool to watch that, yeah. that get deployed. It is amazing at, at how... Over the course of the last three or four years, the, the CSI has really stepped to the forefront of innovation. And whether it's digital twins, whether it's robotics and automation, really, really advanced industrial control systems, smart sensors, smart devices, up and down the, the processes there. Jennifer Abley, who's instrumental in leading that organization, is a, is a good friend of the Tech Guide podcast, a good personal friend. Uh, Mark Money, the chancellor of the university, uh, another personal friend of mine. He's been a guest on the podcast along with then provost uh, Johannes Britz. So huge respect for what's going on there at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, there's no better partner, by the way, when it comes to research and, and uh, innovation. So you're, you're definitely partnering with the right folks. You know, speaking of partnerships, and I'll, I'll open this up to either one of you or maybe both, you also have U.S. Cellular does a pretty strong partnership with Rockwell Automation and with Ericsson. So tell us a little bit about those partnerships. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, so, you know, one of those solution concepts that I mentioned, the idea of using the unlicensed spectrum, CBRS, yep. that's something that we, we look to partner with organizations like Ericsson to ultimately accomplish that. Okay. They do a really good job at building and deploying those networks. We do a really good job at managing it. Okay. So the way we look at it is there's an opportunity there for us to not just help a go-to-market strategy with an organization like Ericsson. We're there to solve, kind of tell the whole journey, tell the whole story to the customer or to the market. Sure. Which is essentially, you're probably new to this. You probably don't want to, or maybe you do, but the idea of hiring a whole new team to manage the network is not right. going to be an easy thing to do. Why not have an organization like ourselves that's been managing multiple cores for you know decades do it for you? Sure. And, and it could even be a concept of do it for us until we are comfortable enough to do it on our own. And that's okay. Got it. Yeah. So, so great, great partnerships with both of those organizations. Yeah. Blake Moret, by the way, CEO of uh, Rockwell Automation, a member of what we call the Tech Ed Podcast Alumni Circle. So you're now right in that, right in that circle oh, with, with Blake. He was on with us about a year ago and talking all about, you know, just the incredible innovation that's happening at Rockwell, the incredible partnerships that they're building and also recognizing that they don't have to develop everything themselves um, and really finding phenomenal partners like US Cellular and others to be a part of that ecosystem as they drive manufacturing and advanced manufacturing forward. I know one of the challenges to doing that, to driving advanced manufacturing in the direction we want to go, is this whole idea of workforce. And it doesn't matter who we talk to, nobody can find enough people. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. We could do it, you know, three hours on just why, you know, why the workforce is so constrained. You know, a little, little bit of optimism that maybe it loosens up here in the coming years. And as it does, and even whether or not it does, the types of competencies that we need students learning, that we need the workforce to have in the future, totally different than what they were in many cases 10, 15, 20 years ago. So as, as specific to you know, private cellular networks, specific to your technology, you know, what are the kinds of things that people need to be learning as they're going through their education journey to be effective team members when they get to US Cellular? So my, my daughter started learning coding when she was eight. I'm awesome. intimidated by her at the age of 14 right now. But, I love it. You know, I think, so... Carly Fiorina, she was a former VP at uh, HP and I think you, uh, Yahoo. Yep. She said it best. The thing about information is you you need to make it meaningful. And okay. what she says is um, the idea is to be able to collect the data and then be able to translate that data to something meaningful. Okay. And so that translation of taking just raw data and turning it into something meaningful, mm -hmm. that's the area that the youth is going to really need to focus on. Because the thing about 5G is, and this is actually true about anything, I mean, even YouTube, the, the thing about information, there's always going to be more information collected today than there was yesterday. For sure. And it's going to continue to grow Absolutely. exponentially. Yep. And so the, the dilemma we're going to have when 5G is really fully deployed across the world um, is a, a pretty big data issue. For sure. And so um, the ability to translate data meaningfully and actually make it turn into something tangible. Yep. That's that's the magic. That's the area that people will really need to study. I love that, and, and for so many, for so many, on so many levels, and for so many reasons. Number one, it was a succinct answer. It was a unique answer. Number two, and and you're exactly right. It's like it doesn't really matter what endeavor you're in. The ability to take really complex technology, really complex ideas, complex information, and boil it down to the lowest common denominator that people like I, you know, people like me can understand when somebody explains it. it that that is you know second to nothing in terms of being able to move your career forward, being able to be effective when you get to wherever your career is going to take you as a student. And your answer there, James, really speaks to 
anybody who's considering a career in STEM, anybody who's considering a career in coding, in data, you know, around how do we take complex information, gather the SIA data, and make it understandable. And there's a couple, couple of buzz lines, I guess, that we like to go back to. One of them is that, you know, we've heard that more data will be created in the next three years than in the last 30. I think the financial industry last year collected seven times more data just last year than they did the year before that. I mean, it's just, we're swimming in a sea of data and the ability to distill it. Credit to your daughter, by the way, learning to code when she was eight years old. Um, you know, while we're on the topic of our families, our daughter is a, uh, she's going to be, she is a senior at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a data science major and has an internship next summer with a digital transformation company oh, doing exactly fantastic. that. Congratulations. Which is taking, you know, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's just it's so much fun to watch, you know, to watch those pathways. And how old is your daughter now? The 14. Okay, awesome. So she's, she's getting close. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's just, uh, and it's a lifetime of deciding what they want to do with the, the rest of their life. And we always tell our kids and everybody else is, you know, your, your education choice, your, your career choice is not a life sentence, right? Especially now, I mean, you can do something for a couple of years, move on, to, move on to something different. But really, really succinct and interesting question. So if you're, if you're a high school student thinking about what comes next, Think about what you're learning in your statistics class, in your uh, computer programming course, in, in your advanced technology course, whatever, how you take that data, how you distill it into something simple. So let's talk now about partnerships with education. You talked about the CSI. Are there other ways that, you know, that, that companies, large and small, should be thinking about partnering with their local educational institutions, whether it's K-12, technical college, community college, four-year institutions, research institutions. How do you think about that? So from an institutional perspective, what we're doing here is really trying to enable essentially what you're describing, which is ultimately, let's put the foundation of innovation for cellular specifically in a lab environment yep. so that university accreditation can now prove out certain use cases and applications and say, hey, market, this is this is solid. We believe in this. The value's there. You should You, you should invest into it. The other side of it is also very much the innovation side of it. So like I told you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And there's a lot of area of opportunity to um, develop applications and use cases in-house. And so as an organization, if you do have a research and development arm and you're thinking about new ways to invest and get a competitive edge in your own um, marketplace, that's another way to look at it as well. So. We can certainly steer some of the discussion from an application perspective. There are certainly some pretty straightforward use cases that the market's already conceptualized and it can right. deliver. There's so much more there that, that just hasn't been touched yet. And it's going to really take the private organizations in this country that are going to drive that innovation. Absolutely. They're the only ones that can drive it fast enough yes. to be able to keep up. And, and so it's, it's interesting that you know so much of what we're hearing from folks now that are advising educators and sharing thoughts with educators is, is really it's an and, not an or. So it's not, do we teach the application of cellular networks in a lab in an educational institution, or do we teach the maybe the softer skills of innovation, problem solving, ideation, and you have to do both of them. Am I you're, hearing that right? You're exactly right. So the, the easiest, most linear comparison would be precision ag, smart agriculture. Sure. So you see uh, universities literally wrote curriculums for precision ag. Simultaneously, you have organizations like John Deere that are creating private cellular test beds to prove out autonomous farming applications. Sure. It's the exact same concept. So I, I, I appreciate your response. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. It has to be both a partnership be between the public entities and the private entities. 
Exactly. Public-private partnerships driving so many things in the world of education and research. You know, if there's a theme for the discussion, it's really listen to your customer, listen to your market. And it sounds like, James, as you're walking through the uh, all of the things on offer here at Automation Fair, it's listening to what people are seeing, what changes are taking place in markets, and then how you and the team at U.S. Cellular can put your innovation to work in those areas. So credit to you for going about innovation the right way. Listen to the market, listen to your customers, and find ways to, to answer that call. I want to thank you for answering our call when we reached out to say, would you spend some time with us on the TechEd podcast? Mark Grushy, the business development manager for Smart Cities for U.S. Cellular, along with James Rose, the head of private cellular networks. Thank you so much for taking some time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.